0: Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to Northstar for week two of our Sunday Soon. What is heaven going to be like? What's What do we expect? What's going to be there? We're going to unpack a little bit of that. We'll continue on next Sunday. Remember, time change Sunday. Don't want you driving at the wrong time, all right? That's next Sunday. And then the last Sunday, you don't want to to miss. Go ahead and mark it on your calendar that last Sunday, two weeks from now. uh, If you were here for the Home 6 series, I kept telling you, don't miss the last Sunday. Don't miss the last Sunday. If you were here for that series, you'll remember it was a powerful story from a good buddy of mine named Keith. The last week of the series is a week. I'm just telling you, you're going to hear some stories. You're going to learn some stuff that... uh, is something you don't wanna miss. So I'm gonna let you get ahead a little bit. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21 is where we're gonna camp out today. Revelation 21, it's really easy to find. If you got a Bible and you're new to it, if you hit the maps, hang a left, all right? And so it's right there, right at the end of the Bible. Revelation 21, hopefully you've got your app open. That will be uh, what we'll use to navigate along today. God wanted us to know about where we're going. I remember 1987 packing up to head off to college. I didn't know what to expect. I am going to spend four years in this new town, and a new place, with new friends, and, and, and I went and learned what to know that I needed to go away to college. Well, God lets us get a little snapshot into heaven to know about heaven, to know what not only is going to be there, but what's not going to be there. So uh, we've had a sad house the past few weeks because the Braves are not in the playoffs. Can we all agree with that? I mean, we've been struggling around the Lynch residence. Cut it on, see the Nationals, it makes me sick, all right? And so uh, we've been watching. Well, um, there were these two old guys. They had this running conversation. They were big Braves fans, Abe and Clyde, huge Braves fans, loved them. Their spouses had passed. They didn't have anything else to pass the time. So these two old guys, Abe and Clyde, would get together in the evenings. They'd watch the Braves. And while they were watching the Braves, they had this ongoing dialogue about heaven and where their spouses were and what's to come. And one night, one of them looked at the other one and said, well, do you think there's baseball in heaven? That was the question he asked. That's a great question. They looked in the Bible. You know, back in the back, you list all the things. You look up F for faith. They looked up B. There's no mention of baseball in the Bible. I mean, we know that's God's sport, right? And so they looked it up, and they they couldn't find it in there. And old Abe and Clyde, they go back and forth. Do you think they're—and so they made a deal. Whoever goes first has to come back to tell the other one about whether there's baseball in heaven. Well, sure enough, old Clyde passed. He didn't even make it hardly into the season. He passed and oh, Abe was so sad because now he's watching the Braves by himself and he's wondering, I mean, what's it like up there? I wonder what's heaven like and who's there and all those kind of things. And sure enough, he looked up one night and old Clyde was standing by his television. And Abe looked at him and he said, Clyde, is that you? He said, it is. He said, Clyde, are you in heaven? He said, I am. He said, Clyde, I got to know is there baseball in heaven? You need to tell me, is there baseball in heaven? Clyde goes, I got good news and bad news. He said, well, give me the good news first. He said, number one, there's baseball in heaven. He said, what's the bad news? He said, you're pitching tomorrow night. All right, and so I don't know what you you think about what will or what won't be in heaven. But anyway, some of y'all are going, "Ah, that's terrible. But you laughed. All right, it worked. So why does John tell us about what's to come? Why does he do that? He tells us about what's to come because God wants you to know. So John, the the closest, most likely disciple to Jesus, is now on in his years. He's been exiled to this island called Patmos. And while he's there basically breaking rocks and living out the rest of his days, God gives him this vision of all the things that are going to transpire that's to come. Well, part of what was to come was this heaven. So John, we call it revelation because he was the revelator. He was the one that got this revelation from God because God knew in 2019 some of us were going to walk through some things, some of us were going to face some things, and we needed to know what is there to come. Is life all that there is? Our media and our world has sort of built up this mirage that all of life is to be meant to be lived here. So soak it all up. And John says, no, 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 no. This is a pale comparison of what's to come. You remember Paul, we read it last week. He said, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard mind ever imagine all the things that God has for us. Well, John gets a glimpse. And today he writes about it and we read it in Revelation 21. Now, normally at this point, we all stand together and we read, and and I I think I mentioned this last week, we stand because we believe this is God's inspired word for us that he wants us to have. And so we stand in honor of it. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to read But when I read of a word that's touched your life on earth and you have been affected by it as a child, as an adult, but you've been affected by the word that I read, I want you to stand when you hear that word. I want you to stand when you hear that word. At the end of it, you haven't stood yet. I would love to know what bubble you've been living in because I want to move in with you. All right, here we go. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God, meaning no longer are we away from his presence. He will wipe Every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. I want everybody just look around the room, would you? These things have touched everyone, haven't they? How many of you have been touched by mourning before? Raise your hand. How many of you have been touched by pain before? How many of you have been touched by death before? It's really interesting. He writes these things. And he tells us not only what heaven is that we'll talk about next week, he tells us what isn't. And then he makes one of the most hopeful verses to me in all of Scripture. I want you to look with me at the next verse. He said, he who is seated on the throne said this, Behold, I am making, and I love this, all things, what? Would you pray with me? God, I don't know how we walked in this rooms this morning, but I pray I know how we walk out. I hope we walk out with hope. God, I hope we walk out going, though on this side, I may be touched with things. God, may on that side, may I be new again in you. And God, may that hope pull us through. God, speak to us, teach us, walk with us, show us, and honor today the reading of your word. God, we give you this time and ask that you use it and speak to us. And, Father, we pray this now. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So I need to say this before I even dive in. You may be new to North Star. Or you may go, well, you know, I've been coming for a little while. We believe there is a literal, physical place called heaven. All right? We believe that it was created for our father to dwell in, right? That's where he dwells. And we also believe it was created for his children to live with him forever. Now, there are some that say, well, we are all God's children. We are not all God's children. We're all God's creation, God's children are ones that have come to that point in their life where they've asked Christ to come into their heart. We believe in a place called, what do we call it? Heaven, all right? That's the literal place we call it. But we also believe that Scripture teaches that there is another place, all right? We're not gonna dwell on this today, but it's a literal place opposite of heaven. We believe it's a place called hell. We, We said this about Hell last week, our worst day on earth is a pale glimpse of our best day in hell. And our best day on earth is a pale glimpse of our worst day in heaven. They're both pale in comparison. So God says, John, I'm going to pull back the curtain I want you to, now it's interesting, he told him to go write these things down. Why did he tell him to write these things down? Because he knew you and I would need it. He knew you and I would sit on this side of heaven and go, okay, all I see is life, all I see is this earth, is this all that there is? And John says, I'm telling you, I saw it. I've written it down. Here's what's not going to be in heaven. We established last week that God himself dwells there. We talked about the physical city of heaven, sort of the overview of it last week. Well, while we're in heaven, when our eyes close here and we open our eyes there in this new dwelling place, here are the things you will not find anymore. Principle number one, there will be no more sickness. If you're a medical doctor, an optometrist, whatever, in heaven, you will be unemployed, all right? Because there will be no more sickness. Now, preachers are going to be unemployed too. That's why I keep hitting fungos, all right? And so there's no more sickness in heaven. Why? And I want you to write a word out beside number one. Sickness is caused by sin. Did you write that? Back in the garden when man fell, we began to decay. Here, is what Scripture teaches. Sin just causes all kinds of problems. Part of the problem is sin causes a decay of our bodies. As we get older, we don't get better, right? You don't get healthier just naturally. You have to work at it. Some of you guys are in amazing shape, but you work at it. You don't just get healthier. Our bodies begin to decay. I remember a few years ago, I turned 40 and we were on, we were coming back from our mission trip in Haiti, and I was on the plane, and I had my phone out. I was reading my, my book and I had my light on my phone because the plane was so dark. And so I was reading there on the on the plane, and, and one of the guys in our group, Dr. Hester, said, Hey buddy, I got something to give you. And he tosses me a pair of reading glasses. I'm like, no, 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 man. I got good eyesight. No, you don't need those. He goes, No, you need them. And I put them on. I'm like, wow, the plane's not dark, all right? I mean, I can really, I can read really well. It's unbelievable. It was the same year I went to Lifeway because I needed to get a new Bible. My Bible had ripped apart. I said, you know, when I'm reading it now on Sundays, it's, it looks like glass. I'm having a hard time reading the words. So I just need the next size up from the one I've got. And they said, that's large print. And I went, get out of my face. All right, that is not cool. Don't, don't tell a large print. Why? Because my eyes are decaying. They aren't getting better. You know, my mom, I know she battled... Um, all kinds of stuff with our eyes, cataracts, and what your body decays. Sin began in the garden; it began that decay. Here are words you will not hear uttered in heaven. The word cancer will not be uttered in heaven. Aren't you thankful for that? Heart disease, liver disease, Crohn's disease. See, what's disease? Disease is decay. It's the decaying of all of those things that visit us here. Well, Mike, if God was so good, why did he create all those things? He didn't. He didn't. In the garden, you had Adam and Eve. They make a fateful choice. Sin enters, and then decay and death enter. But in heaven, there will be no more. Can you imagine a world where you didn't face those things? How many of you, I'm just going to ask, how many of you, you have been touched, your family has been touched by the word cancer? Raise your hand. Isn't that crazy? It's unbelievable. And it hits close to home. They're gone. Gone. Why? Because there's no more decay. Look, look at what Scripture says. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15. Everything in the heavens has a body, so does everything on earth. But each one is very different from all the others. The sun isn't like the moon, the moon isn't like the stars. Each star is different. That's how it will be when our bodies are raised to life, meaning we know Christ. We die here, but we are raised to life. Listen to what it says, these bodies will die, but the bodies that are raised will live forever. These ugly and weak bodies will become beautiful and strong. God bless that verse, all right, that's beautiful. There will be beautiful and strong. As surely as there are physical bodies, there are spiritual bodies. Our physical bodies will be changed into spiritual bodies. I want everybody to hold your hands up. Ready? Everybody hold their hands up. I want you to snap. All right, snap. On the, pay attention now. Not, not giving you instructions yet. On the count of three, I want you to snap. Ready? One, two, three. That's how fast. What you think is this forever state of what's gonna happen that fast, you'll be transformed. And I get asked this question all the time. Mike, and and we're not gonna get into this today, but I'm just gonna answer it right here. Mike, will people know me in heaven? Yes. You're not gonna be a floating amoeba, all right? Just floating through the galaxies. You will be known as you're known here. The disciples knew when Jesus got his resurrected body, the disciples knew exactly who he was, didn't they? It's a physical body. It's a spiritual, physical body. There's no more sickness, though, in heaven. Principle number two. Ready? There's no more sadness in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about the sadness that uh, my team lost or the sadness that, oh, the stock market went down. That's not what I'm talking about. I want you to write the word out beside it. Here's the word that sadness appeals to. Ready? It's the word gloom. You ever had that kind of sadness before? You ever had that kind of sadness when the sun comes up, it's really hard to see it? Because gloom has entered? And that gloom leads to these words. Anxiety, depression, real things. Because it's like the sadness that won't let you go Sadness has visited some of your homes, probably caused by something that happened to a loved one or to you that's part of this, this is the part I want you to get, of this broken world. Mike, I know Jesus, shouldn't he protect me? There are things we will face in this world that are just part of this world. And there's sadness here. There are days I've walked up and spoken on the stage I did not want to be on the stage. And I'm preaching not out of what I'm feeling in the moment. I'm just preaching out of what I know to be true in the moment. Does that make sense to everybody? I didn't feel it. I remember standing back up after losing mom and dad that spring. I don't even remember 2017, just to be honest. I don't remember it. I spoke every week. I don't remember it. Sadness. Right? There will be no more sadness in heaven. Can you imagine being in a place that the word sadness doesn't exist? How many of y'all have children? How many of you, it breaks your heart when, it, when you see your children sad? Raise your hand. You know, we, we make the statement all the time, you're only as happy as your saddest child. It's true. And there's no age limit to that. There will be no more sadness there. Look, look at what scripture says. Y'all gonna have to start listening faster. We'll be here all day, all right? So look at what scripture says. He will wipe every what from their eyes? From their eyes. There will be no more sorrow or crying. In fact, I was, I was reading up on that a lot. Doesn't mean he wipes every tear while we're there. It means it's a he wipes every tear on the way in because you will never have another one. There is no more gloom. Some of you have wept from places you didn't know existed, haven't you? It's one thing to cry, but it's another thing to grieve cry. You know, Scripture says that he bottles up all those tears. Nothing's wasted. Psalmist said, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I can't imagine heaven is everything you wish this world would be times a hundred. You imagine living in a world where there's no sadness. Point number three. Ready? Not only is there no more sickness, there's no more sadness, there's no more suffering. There's no more suffering. Hunger. I the majority of our world's in hunger. Danger. There's no more danger. Look at what John said. They'll never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. There'll no be no more pain. I, I remember we made one of our first trips to Haiti and, uh, we go to Haiti, and Guatemala, India. I went on the Haiti trip was the one I went on, and <clears throat> I knew poverty here. I had never seen poverty there. I, I remember flying in that first time and we flew over the tent cities that they were all living in from the earthquake and our it was overwhelming. And there's these three, so everybody gravitates towards the little ones, and they're adorable. I gravitated towards the kids, the the student age, teenagers. There's three of them that I hung out with while we were there. Two of them were Peterson and a kid named Dooley. And it was probably midweek that first week, and I always wondered at night, where are they going? Like they would hang out with us all day. Where are they going when they leave here? They have no jobs. There aren't. None of them are in school. There's no hope. And I remember looking down. We're getting towards the end of the week, and I looked down, and Peterson, his feet were this long, and his flip flops he was wearing were this long, and his whole about this much of his foot is hanging off. And listen, you're not walking in lush green grass down there. You're walking on stone and rock and Glass and everything else. So I was getting to the last stand. I asked Marcia, who directs here, she's in charge. I'm like, Marcia, do I have permission to give them a little bit of money so they can go get some shoes? She said, sure. So I pulled the three teenagers over. Now they don't speak any English, but I'm communicating to them in my broken way of go buy shoes. All right, and Ann says I talk louder when I'm communicating that way, like they're deaf or something. But anyways, so go buy shoes. They're like, okay, shut up. All right, Anthony, I want to put it. Anyways, so I, I give them the cash. And I said, I want you to show me, show me your shoes. And buddy, they took off. They're out of there. And I'm thinking, those little jokers are going to go spend that money on something. They're going to get something to eat. Well, I mean, it was probably an hour. They came back to our gathering there and they had their box with their shoes. And I'll never forget this. They took them out of the box. Never had, never had new shoes. They took them out of that box and they put them on. And they were just smiling from ear to ear. And as we lived out that day, they would stop. And they had a little wet wipe with them. They would stop and they would wipe their shoes to keep them clean. You know what broke my heart? Those shoes were probably cheap as cheap could be. And they probably broke about two days after we left. And if you ever go, you will be overwhelmed with the suffering of those that are there. The hard part is they don't know their suffering. That's all they know. There will be no more suffering in heaven. There will be no more angst and pain in heaven. Look at what Scripture says. There will be no more pain. Number four, there will be no more sin. Remember, sin's the the cause of all of the evil one, the instigator, the villain, the devil. He was the instigator of sin. What he never told Adam and Eve is this. You can do this, but here's what it's going to cost you. Well, he didn't tell us now. There'll be no more sin in heaven. How many of you, um, sometimes in church, God will tap you on the shoulder and say, I got something for you, and you leave here, and here's what you say. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day, and then I'm going to live out whatever we talked about every day. And that's on a Sunday. And by Wednesday, you've blown one of the commitments that you made on Sunday. How many of y'all have ever done that before? Raise your hand. I have brought, this is a true story. I've brought up to Anne like on Wednesday, I'll go, I don't know what to do with this. She goes, you just preached about that last week. And I'm like, don't bring that up to me. I don't wanna talk about it now, right? Because sin enters the world and sin causes me to miss the mark of God's perfection. There will be no more sin in heaven. Gone. Finally, number five, there'll be no more death. Death is the the curse of human existence. The number one fear every creature who's ever walked this earth was death. John said there will be no more death. I want you to write the word out beside number five, separation. That's really what death is. Death is separation. So when someone dies here, they are separated from their family. You know what else I've learned in in all the years I've been in ministry? There's never a good time to say goodbye. There's just not. There is no time where we go, oh, well, well, when we're there, death will be easier. No. Death stinks. Now, I remember growing up, I'd heard the word death and went to church every Sunday. If I remember right, it was 1976, I was seven, and uh, my mom had come home from work and she worked at the bank in town and we were sitting in our den. I remember it like it was etched in my memory, like yesterday. I had two cousins lived in Fayetteville, Greg and Debbie. We'd had lunch with them on Sunday. Greg was still in school and was a couple years older than me. Debbie was a nursing student, at George Baptist, and uh, it was, I think it was a Thursday, if I remember right. I remember the phone ringing in the kitchen. And I jumped up and said, "I'll get it," and I went running in there. It was my uncle Jimmy. He was my, my, one of my fun uncles, you know, one of those uncles always joking around and playing. and I'm like, "Hey, Uncle Jimmy." I just remember the sound of the other end of the line when he said, "Boy." Get your mama. So I hollered for my mom and I said, Mom, I think something's wrong. And I could remember my mom just screaming bloody murder on the other end, on our end and just falling down in our kitchen floor, weeping. Because my cousin, Debbie, on her way home from nursing school Hit a slick spot and wrapped her car around a pole, and she was gone. She's nineteen or twenty. It's the first time death visited her home. I remember it like it, like it was yesterday. I remember how different July Fourth was, and Thanksgiving was, and Christmas was, because unexpectedly. A knock came and death was introduced to our family. Two years later, my granddad never got over it. My granddad, granddaddy Johnson never got over that. Two years later, I remember he passed and went home and and he lived 78 years. Lived a great life. Phenomenal person. Both of them Christ followers. But we grieved here because there was separation here. See, as a believer, things enter into our lives that we hurt from. Pain, sickness, sorrow, suffering, death. Hardest part about it is we don't ever feel like we get to say goodbye correctly. Whether we had six months to tell them or they left that day and it was business as usual. <laughs> you know what? God told John to tell us, there, there will be no more separation. We will be there forever. And what we hate here, saying goodbye, I was just talking to him buddy that helps me out at 9.30 and we were standing out in the hallway. He said, I still remember when my granddad passed two years ago and I, I was sitting in his bedside and I said, I just need to tell you goodbye. And so he just told me right before the service started. He said, he grabbed my hand he looked me in the eyes and he said, don't, get, don't say goodbye. Just say I'll see you later. Because there We take up residence there, there will be no more see you later and goodbyes. It'll all be hello again, forever. Aren't you ready for heaven? Aren't you thankful that someday soon that'll be our home? Some of you, though, you're sitting out this morning, you're like, Mike, I don't know. I don't know if I'm there today might be your day to exchange for the greatest gift you've ever gotten. Would you pray with me? Man, if you're sitting in this room today and you say, Mike, you've talked about heaven and you talked about what won't be there, sickness and pain and sorrow and grief, death. Like, it's funny, I don't know if I'll be there. You don't have to tell me I've sinned. I know I've sinned. But Mike, I want to live with Jesus forever. Today, I don't want to live another day wondering or doubting or guessing or people will bring up heaven. I almost want to get out of the conversation because I'm scared because I don't know if that's where I'll be. Mike, today, I want to nail that down. As a dad, I want to be able to look at my children and say, if something ever happens to me, I'll tell you where I'll be. If that's you here today, can I lead you in a prayer to meet him and it really isn't the words, it really is a heart. Crying out, and say, God, I need you. Would you just say, God, I need you. I believe you live for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Today, if you say, Mike, I pray that prayer with you for the very first time. Mike, I believe Jesus stepped out of heaven, stepped in my heart today for the very first time. I want you to slip your hand up right where you are. Nobody's gonna come get you. Nobody's gonna bother you, but I wanna celebrate with you. Would you slip your hand up right where you are this morning? Just slip your hand up right where you are. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer with me today, I want you to look up, there's a number that's popping up on that screen. I want you to take a picture of that number and I want you to text your name to that number today to tell us so we can celebrate with you. Maybe today you go, Mike, I'm a believer, but I need to be reminded that God's got this. And though I may walk through pain here, there's a purpose in the pain. God doesn't waste my time and he doesn't waste my experiences. Mike, I just want to hold on to live out my best here So I can live the best there. Would you just let the Lord speak to you, would you?